Good morning, everybody. Good morning. It's lovely to be able to share um, just a few thoughts with you this morning from what God's placed on my heart. But I thought we could, first of all, just take a little moment um, to celebrate. We're celebrating in our house that we have survived Miriam and Gideon's first half a term at school. Hooray! Now, you may, it may not you know, seem like a huge thing, but it has. It's been a whole thing the various apps we have to navigate to find different pieces of school information, making sure we don't forget to pick Simeon up from nursery. We haven't left anybody in the wrong place. And ironing those tiny uniforms. I never knew that 10 white polo shirts would cause me so much hassle every Sunday. But there we go, haven't got to do that for a week. So I'm really excited about that. Um, but back in September, when they were first starting school, they were asking about the school year, the school calendar, and, oh, why do we have all these half-terms and breaks? Um, and I said to them, well, you know, it's, it's important. You'll be very tired. It's good that you have a bit of a rest time and you can consolidate what you've learned. But also, it's about building a natural rhythm into your life. And as I said that to them, I was very challenged about my own natural rhythm of life and what that looked like and whether I was building those natural breaks into my own life, just as I was saying it was important for them. And it brought me to this whole topic of rest. And as I was thinking about rest in the Bible, um, I just became aware that I think it's something that is so beautifully ordained and modelled and mandated in Scripture from the very beginning, isn't it? The same God who doesn't grow tired or weary makes a point of resting from creation. And Jesus, in his life and in his walk, we read so many times that he took himself away to a quiet place to rest, to be with the Father. In Mark 6.31, um, we read Jesus and the disciples, then so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat. And he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. And so this led me to some very well-known verses that I'm just going to share on this morning, which I'm sure will be known to many of you, and which are found in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 30 to 30. And these are the words of Jesus. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And even though I've read those words so many times, this time the phrase rest for your souls really jumped out at me. And that's what I wanted to, us to think about and share about this morning. I don't know if you've ever been on the in the situation where maybe you've been on holiday somewhere completely secluded, you haven't had any of the normal distractions around you. Maybe it's just been you by the sea with a book and yet somehow you get to the end of that period of time and you just don't feel rested. You've kind of taken your mind with you and you've, not, you've come back feeling like you need another holiday. And maybe there have been other times where the calendar's been really busy and there's been lots going on, but somehow in and of yourself you've, you've felt a sense of energy. Maybe you've been, you've been drawing on strength from God. And so although physically it's been, it's been a busier time, you've not felt like you've needed that rest. Um, I had a few months earlier on in the, in the year where I was working in Sheffield, and it was, it was brilliant. I worked with a fantastic team, but obviously the commute was very long every morning. And while I was there, I was, I was absolutely convinced that once I was back working a bit more locally, 
I would feel more rested. And so I was counting down to being here, working more locally. And um, after about a month of being here, I, I still didn't feel that rested. And I realized it wasn't a physical rest that I was lacking. It was that rest for my soul, for my mind, my will, my emotions, that emotional rest. And I don't think it's any wonder with the 20 months that we've had, the way that we've been working, the way that things have been, what we've experienced as a church, is it any wonder that some of us are lacking rest for our souls? Um, in Exodus chapter 33 and verse 14, there's Exodus 33, there's this kind of dialogue that's going on between Moses and God. As I see it, it's Moses getting into the nitty-gritty of how he's going to lead the people of Israel through the next stage. And verse 14, we read these lovely words from the Lord. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And that for me is the key, his presence. There's this inextricable link between God's presence and rest. It's in being with him and drawing close to him which allows us to find rest for our souls. And that's why in, in this verse in Matthew, Jesus calls us to come to him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And I just think the, the simplicity of this promise is so wonderful and yet so easily to miss that there are no caveats. It quite simply starts with a move from us to draw close to him and bring our burdens to him. So... I'm a very visual person. Sometimes these concepts in the Bible are lovely, but what does it look like? So I was thinking about our burdens, and I thought the best thing I could do is bring my burden with me. My burden is actually so heavy that I couldn't carry it from the car. John and Dan had to carry it, so here we go. <laughs> so what might our burden look like? Uh, this, this represents maybe some relational burdens that we might carry. It might be relationships that we anticipated that haven't happened. It might be pressure within our relationships, family relationships, romantic relationships. It might be the expectation for everything to look perfect when we come to church. We can carry that kind of burden, can't we? Oh, I'm just going to put that there. Sometimes the, the burden is related to perhaps our work and our finances. Maybe there's a pressure to perform. Maybe there's an expectation that we put on ourselves to do more, to be more, to deliver more, to meet more expectations. And again, that can be a burden in our life. But actually, when I thought about it, those were the first couple of things I thought of. And I realized that there was much more in my burden bag than this. So here we go. I'm getting heavier. <laughs> Um, the next thing that occurred to me as some of the burden is all of the questions, all of the worries, all the things that perhaps go around in our head that we, that we carry. It might be questions about, about the current situation we find ourselves in. When is life going to look normal again? What will that look like? When will this be over? Worrying about people that we care about. It might be bigger questions that we're asking God about what is this all about? What is his purpose in all of this? And sometimes we carry those worries and they become a very heavy burden for us. Sometimes I think we carry things that we were never intended to carry. I was thinking about how sometimes perhaps I've got a friend over here and they have got something going on and I decide I'm going to take that on as well. So even though my bag is definitely full enough, sometimes we carry things we were never supposed to carry. Oh running out of space for my burdens. <laughs> and then lastly, <laughs> uh, 
Um, sometimes I think it's, it's the, perhaps the demands of other people or the worries of other people. It's so easy to get caught up in an environment of fear, isn't it? Um, we all remember it, petrol gate. At one point, we weren't worried about petrol, and then all of a sudden, very, very quickly, we ran out of petrol because everybody was worried that we were going to run out of petrol. And everybody, you know, we saw these scenes of people filling up several petrol tanks in there, in the car parks, in the petrol stations. And, and sometimes something that was never a bother to us, we can so easily allow the influence of others to weigh heavy on us. We end up carrying a burden again that we never intended to. So when we, when we think about our burdens, it's very simple that Jesus asks us to come to him and to give our burdens to him. And I was wondering why we don't take that very simple step sometimes. Um, maybe sometimes these things do get a little bit heavy for us. And there might be one particular aspect that we realize, actually, this is getting too much for me now. And we might maybe come forward for prayer on a Sunday, ask somebody to pray for us. And we, we might momentarily leave that, leave that burden at the cross. But so often we want to take it back, don't we? We're not content to just leave it there. We've asked someone to pray, we've, we've given it to God, but perhaps our worry or our, our need to be in control means that, that it takes over. And so as quickly as we lay it there, we pick it back again and carry it back up again. And I wonder why we do that. Why do we perhaps rob ourselves of rest in that way? I wonder if it's because sometimes we, we might profess to trust God with our whole lives. I know that I certainly might profess to trust God with my whole life, but there are some things that I still hold on to very tightly. There are things that I still hold precious. Maybe there are some things that I don't always trust that God will handle them in the way that I would like him to. Uh, things that matter a lot to me. Well, God, I really want to get this job, and if I just give it to you and say your will be done, you might decide that it's not for me, and I really want it, so I'm going to hold on to it and carry that burden a little bit tighter. Sometimes, even though we've tasted and seen time and time again that the Lord is good, we just say, Lord, I trust you with all of this, but this bit, this bit I just need to hold on to myself. And the thing is, the longer we carry these burdens, the heavier they get. I don't, I don't know if you've ever done this. Maybe you've walked into town or to your local shop and you thought, I'll just pick up a few things. And then you think, right, I can, I can walk back. It's not far. And you set off with your bags and everything's fine for the first few minutes. But as you go along the journey, you think, uh-oh, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have walked. They get heavier and heavier, don't they? And the thing is, what you're carrying in, in weight doesn't actually change, but the longer we carry it, the heavier it becomes, the more it becomes painful to carry. You know, the, the bags start digging into your hands, don't they? The more it leaves a scar. And the longer we carry all of this stuff, I mean, I can't even carry mine anymore, it's that heavy. The more it leaves a scar, the more painful it gets. The more we rob ourselves of peace, when all the while he's saying, leave it with me, leave it with me. So the first invitation is to do just that this morning. And I wonder what your bag, what your burden is this morning. It's going to look different for all of us. 
Um, but I wonder what it is that God might be asking you to lay down and leave with him this morning. So once we take that first step of laying our burdens down, then it says, and you will find rest for your souls. And so I was thinking about what that rest for our souls might look like. And I just wanted to give you three Ps that I think we find when we find that rest for our souls. And the first is this, that in his rest, we find our peace. Um, There was one time when I was putting the kids to sleep and Gideon was tossing and turning and tossing and turning. And I thought, I don't know what's up with him. And then he suddenly sat up and said, Mummy, I know which train we need to buy Daddy for Christmas. I'll show you on Amazon tomorrow. I said, all right, thanks very much. And as soon as he said it, he dropped straight off to sleep. And he was so peaceful, so instantly. I was actually quite envious of him. But, you know, for me, it was this wonderful picture of the reassurance that we get in bringing our cares to a heavenly father who can do something about it and the peace that we can experience when we take it to him. It's like that lovely hymn that we sing, isn't it? What a friend we have in Jesus that says, oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. There is peace for us if we leave it with him and enter his rest. And as I was thinking about this peace, I was thinking it's often something that we don't notice. It might be something actually that gets noticed by those around us. Um, I, I went to a Christian school for up until 16, and before all of our exams, GCSEs and mocks and things, whoever was the invigilator would pray for us before the exam, which was lovely. And I went off to sixth form. There was no praying to be had there. So um, I, I thought, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to carry on doing, doing that and praying for the night before the morning of the exam. And I remember so many times standing out in, outside an exam hall and friends of mine noting, oh, you don't seem as stressed as, as we are. And I'd got into that habit of taking my cares to God in prayer around the subject of my exams and just knowing that I could leave it with him. And it was something that they, they noticed that I couldn't really comment on. But as I thought more about this piece, I was thinking of um, Philippians chapter 4, where Paul talks about the peace that passes all understanding, which will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And I believe that this piece is for the big things of life. Um, So um, I'm going to share a story with you from when I really noticed that piece, or rather someone else noticed that piece in my life. Um, Some of you will know that my incredible mum passed away 11 years ago. Um, She was 51, she was perfectly well. She, She dropped dead essentially with no known cause. And I have to say, peace was obviously the very furthest thing from my mind. But 18 months later, I was was at medical school at the time, and um, 18 months later, I was in a placement group with another girl who had also lost her mum a bit before me, maybe a couple of years before. And so we found each other, we, we shared our kind of brief stories and talked about what life was looking like for us. We would bemoan Mother's Day together and go off and get some chocolate when everybody else was talking about it. And it was really lovely, actually, to have that person to do that journey with. She wasn't a Christian. And um, I remember one time we were having one of our regular conversations and she said to me, you know, it just doesn't make sense. And I said, what's that? She said... I've had longer to process all of this than you have, but I feel like I'm much more in bits about it than you are. And at first I thought that was quite an odd thing to say, and I thought, what is she trying to suggest that I'm not as heartbroken as she is? But then I realised what had been happening over those 18 months, I've saved my heaviest ones for these, (laughs) is that I've been taking 
the burdens of my grief to the cross, all of my questions, all of my, God, I don't know why this has happened, and I don't know how I'm supposed to live life without my mum. I took it to the cross. It's going to stay there. All of my fears for the future, the fact that I knew she wasn't going to see me graduate or my sisters or see me get married, I took it to the cross. The fact that I thought she would never meet her grandchildren, the fact that I wondered what life would look like after that, the fact that I wasn't really sure what I was supposed to think of God now that this had happened, I took it to the cross. And you know what? As I did that, slowly but surely, day by day, just taking all of my shock and fear, disappointment, heartbreak, anger, all of it to the cross, Jesus said, here, take my peace, which passes all understanding, to guard your heart and mind. So much so that my friend noticed that in me. And there is no other explanation for what she saw than that, just that process. And it brings me to mind of one of my favourite hymns as well. I always love to hear the the story behind a hymn. And you might know this story. Um, It's the story of a gentleman, an American gentleman called Horatio Spafford, um, who lost his four-year-old son in 1871 to scarlet fever. Shortly afterwards, there was a Great Depression and there was a lot going on. And he decided it would be good for his family to take a trip to the UK. So he sent his wife and his four daughters along first while he finished some work in the States. And unfortunately, as they were crossing the Atlantic Ocean, there was a horrible collision and the ship sunk. All four of his daughters died and only his wife survived. As he then took his grief-stricken journey, the same journey that they'd taken, somebody pointed out to him the point at which the boat had capsized. And as he looked over the place where he'd lost his daughters, words of hope and comfort somehow filled his mind and he was able to write these incredible words which we sing when peace like a river attendeth my way when sorrows like sea billows roll whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say it is well it is well with my soul when we take all of our burdens to him the very biggest and the very heaviest of them He offers us his peace, which passes all understanding. Through his rest, we find our peace. The second thing that I notice about this rest is that in his rest, we find his promises. I'm going to try and get a bit more upbeat now. So um, Jesus talks about his sheep knowing his voice. And I was thinking about this idea of knowing someone's voice really well, well enough to know when it's them, when it's a copycat. Um, A lot of people think that my sisters sound alike, and they do, but obviously I've been listening to them my whole life. So whenever they call me, even if they're on the same line, I can tell which one of them is talking. Now, of course, if I were to play you all a voice recording now and ask you which one was which sister, you probably would, would struggle because you haven't had that daily communion with them, hearing their voice, hearing the intonation of how they that takes time, doesn't it, to build that level of intimacy, that closeness, to know someone that well. And it's not just in what is said, often it's how it's said. And there have been a few times where my sisters have received a message from me, a WhatsApp or a text has cropped up, and they've had a look at it and they've thought, no, no, that doesn't sound like how Phoebe would say something. That's not how she would sign off, that's not how she would write it. 
and they'll immediately write back, hello, John. And sure enough, John's had my phone, and he sent a message to my sisters. But the thing is, even though it, the message looks like it's coming from me, because they know me so well, they've known straight away, no, that's not what she would say. And again, it's, it's that level of intimacy of knowing someone that well and having that confidence. They never doubt it. They never say, is this you, Phoebe? Has someone got your phone? They know straight away that it's not John. They know him as well. And I think if we don't spend time, daily time, in God's word, reading his word, hearing his voice, reading about the example of Jesus, listening to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, we can't shortcut that relationship, can we? It's got to be the daily process of hearing his word. Because the problem is, otherwise we find ourselves receiving all sorts of messages, don't we? About ourselves, about the world around us, about how we're supposed to relate to it, about the future. And sometimes they might be packaged up as if it's God. And it's very hard for us to know if we haven't built that daily sense of, of reading the Bible and getting to know God into our lives. And sometimes if we're not sure about those messages, that can add to our burden. But it's as we draw close to him that we sit close enough to hear his word and we realise that his word is full of, as Peter calls it, his very great and precious promises. And surrounding ourselves with the truth of these promises is what gives us rest for our souls. It brings joy to our hearts. It often puts a smile on our faces and um, can even put a spring on a, in our step as we sing them, as we speak them over ourselves and others, and as we read them. As I was um, preparing for this, I, I bought a book called All of the Promises of the Bible, written by a gentleman called Dr. Herbert Lockyer, which lists over 8,000 promises of the Bible. And in the first chapter of his book, Dr. Lockyer writes this, a difficulty in assessing the number of Bible promises is further seen in the fact that another Hebrew word for promise is omer, meaning saying or word. The revised version in several places gives speak or say instead of promise. And I thought, what a wonderful difficulty that is, that his word and his promise are the same thing. God is not a man that he should lie, Numbers 23, 19 tells us. So if we know his word, we can have confidence in his promise, and surely that will give us rest for our souls. Dr. Lockyer goes on to say, in these days of stress and strain, bearing in mind this was written in 1962, and how true it is today, there is a tendency to forego the daily period of consecutive Bible reading and study, and to depend upon a collection of texts in a promise box, or found in a compilation. While these aids are commendable, they must never be allowed to substitute our study of the Bible as a progressive and complete revelation of the purpose of God. This whole book has got such a richness in it that helps us to progressively understand the entire purpose of God and where we fit into that story. Now, unfortunately, we haven't got time to read the whole Bible this morning. You'll be pleased to know. But I did just want to give us some words of promise that can hopefully encourage us. And so just one, so I think often we, when we think about God's promises, we think about what God is saying about us or to us. But I think it's really good for us to look at what God says about God. And so I've got you an, an A to Z here of just 26 promises, who God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit says he is. I'm going to read these now. Feel free to get excited. This is a Pentecostal church after all. <laughs> so, so he is the author of our faith. Hebrews 12, verse 2. He is the beginning. Revelation 3, verse 14. He is our counsellor. 
Isaiah 9, verse 6. He is our deliverer, Romans 11, 26. He is everlasting, Isaiah 40, verse 28. He is our forerunner, Hebrews 6, verse 20. He is gracious, 1 Peter 2, verse 6. He is our help, Psalm 33, verse 20. He is Emmanuel, God with us, Isaiah 7, verse 14. He is just, Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 4. He is king, Matthew 21, verse 5. He is life, John 14, verse 6. He is merciful, Hebrews 2, verse 17. He is near, Psalm 145, verse 18. He is one God, 1 Timothy 2, verse 5. He is perfect, Psalm 18, verse 3. He is quick to forgive, Nehemiah 9, verse 17. He is the resurrection, John 11, verse 25. He is our sustainer, Isaiah 46, verse 4. He is truth, John 14, verse 6. He is unchanging, Psalm 55, verse 19. He is our victory, 1 Corinthians 15, 57. He is wisdom, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 30. He is, I have to cheat here a bit, exalted, 1 Chronicles 29, verse 11. He is Yahweh, Exodus 6, verse 3. And he is zealous in his pursuit of us, Isaiah 9, verse 7. Do you know what? If we could read, if we could understand, if we could know and take hold of his word, what God says about God, that would surely give us rest for our souls. Through his rest, we find his great and precious promises. And the third thing that I wanted to say is that in his rest, we find our purpose. When we go to him and we exchange our burdens at the cross, he gives us our very purpose because our purpose is not to rely on ourselves, but to look to him. It's where we join ourselves to him, like this image of a yoke suggests. So the yoke was this farming implement that joined two animals, often oxen, together. And it would sometimes be the case that an older, stronger ox would be paired with a younger ox, so that the younger could learn from the older. And that's what Jesus is talking about when he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. This is what Jesus is offering us. He describes his yoke as easy because it's not in vain. It's not futile. It's well-fitting. When we bring our wills into alignment with his, when we join ourselves to his will, that is where we find our purpose. And instead of all of this heavy stuff that we carry around, we find a life-giving, easy-fitting yoke. Much more like this snazzy bag. Look at this. Much rather be carrying this around. And that's what he offers us. It fits well. But also, his rest is where we realise that our purpose is not in anything that we've done of ourselves. In 1 Timothy, chapter 2 Timothy, chapter 1 and verse 9, we read something that I've lost. Um, God has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his purpose and grace. Um, 
Back in July, we had this invitation to go to Miriam and Gideon's nursery graduation. And I, for one, was completely skeptical. What are we celebrating? They haven't even started school, graduation, what, you know. So anyway, I thought we should go because we hadn't been to nursery for a very long time. And so off we went and sat on the tiny chairs in the nursery garden. And the kids came out and they all sang some songs and they put on caps and gowns and then they threw them in the air. And um, we all celebrated. And actually, it was very cute. And the funny thing is, sceptical though I was at the beginning, as I went and I sat there and I watched them, they gave me a little thumbs up. I just had this incredible feeling of pride swell up inside of me, not because of anything they'd done. I mean, the singing was okay, but you know, it wasn't Derby City Church worship team standards. But just because of who they were and because they were ours, I was nudging John and he may or may not have had a tear in his eye. But, you know, it was so lovely to see them. In fact, I was so proud. I did such a U-turn with this graduation that when we got their official photos back, I moved John's master's graduation photo out of the way <laughs> to make space for the nursery graduation photos, which now have pride of place in the house. But it wasn't anything they'd done. It was just who they were that made me so proud. And always at moments like that, I think that's just a fraction. We just get a glimpse of how the Heavenly Father sees us. But you know what? When I asked them what their favourite thing was about that day, I thought they might say it was the chocolate cupcakes that they got or the fact that they didn't have to learn their phonics that day. They could play in the nursery garden. They said that the thing that they'd enjoyed the most, the thing that brought them the most joy, was having us there. And I was blown away. Do you know, when we rest in him, we find our joy in his presence because that is our very purpose. The Westminster Shorter Catechism this statement of doctrine and faith asks the question, what is the chief end of man? What is our main aim? What is the goal of humankind? And answers, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Every time I hear that, it just, I just think it's so beautiful. That's the first statement in the catechism. It's so lovely. So through his rest, we find our purpose because our purpose is quite simply to find joy in his presence to delight in him as he delights in us. And when we realize that that is our purpose, that our purpose is not to strive and seek the next thing and struggle, when we realize that his yoke is easy because it's the right one and it fits well, instead of what we're trying to carry all of the times, when we realize that our purpose is to enjoy him, to worship him, to fix our eyes on him, that is where we find rest for our souls. Rather than striving after a purpose that is not from him, we find ourselves exactly where we need to be. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up and um, just sing a song over you now as we maybe think about the questions here, because I believe that there's an invitation here this morning. The first question is, what are you carrying? What's your seven kilogram dumbbell that you need to leave at the cross this morning? And in exchange for that, are you ready to receive the rest that comes from leaving it with him? Are you ready to receive a peace that passes all understanding? Are you ready to receive his very great and precious promises? Are you ready to receive his purpose for your life? I'm just going to ask the band to sing and then we'll respond.
down before my cross leave it at my feet lay it down before my cross leave your burdens why I went to die to suffer in your place so lay it down before my cross leave it here with me your guilt and shame bring me all your hurt and pain look into my eyes again do not be afraid I have come to give I've come to set you free So lay it down before my cross Come receive your peace Let me take your hand once more Trust me with your life Come and sit and rest a while You will be restored I'll give you my promises Lead you joy so lay it down before my cross I'm waiting here for you lay it down before my cross there's healing here for you